calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hey everyone, welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about the Stamp Act. So grab your playing cards. And let's get civical. Everybody. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Let's Get Civical. I am Lizzie Stewart. And I am Arden Walentowski. And I I told I talked about it last week. And now it's today. This is literally my first day after my first night of sleeping in a king size bed. Oh, I did not realize it was so new. So it was so new. Last night was the first night Kyle and I spent what can only be described as 6 to 8 hours disassembling our old bed, assembling our new bed, trying yep. to salvage our relationship in the process. Uh-huh. A lot of stops and starts. Um and the final product is really worth it. We have a new mattress that we Good. both love. Good. And we have sheets that I hate that I'm going to get replaced. Um, But overall, like, there's so much space. Truly, Mm. at one point last night, I woke up for a second and thought Kyle left the bed, which he does often because um, he's just a nomad in the night. I literally thought he left the bed and I had the thought, wow, I can't believe he left the bed. It's the new bed. Went back to sleep, asked him this morning why he left the bed. And he was like, babe, I was there the whole night. And I'm like, that's crazy. That's bananas oh that you God. were there the whole night. Wait, do you guys – because you said this last week, and I made a mental note to ask. You said you weren't 
what was the word you used? Compatible sleepers? No, we're not compatible sleepers at all. What is that? I mean, I get what that means, but how, in what ways are you not compatible? Like, is he a cuddler and you're not, or is he a mover and you're like, I'm dead to the world, which I know is not true. He, what it is, is he makes a lot of noise. He snores. So first of all, I'm a very light sleeper. I have a hard time falling asleep. I have a hard time staying asleep. So any type of disruptions, whether that be light, sound, air, you know, state of mind will wake me up and then I can't get back to sleep because my mind will fixate on the disruption unless it's resolved. And Kyle um, is sort of like a snoozing mammoth with no regard for human life outside of himself. Like he just falls asleep. He'll snore. He'll wheeze. He'll like stretch his arm out and touch me, which is a no, no. So, um, yeah. And he can sleep through anything. Like literally he can sleep through anything. And I cannot. So we are absolutely the worst pairing. And I often make him leave the room. Aw, I feel bad for Kyle. Oh, it doesn't matter. Because he'll like go. We have a second bedroom. So he'll come and sleep in another bed. Or we have a couch. He loves sleeping on a couch. I'm not just saying that. Um, And again, he can sleep blissfully anywhere. I have, I feel nothing I feel no amount of like guilt or remorse for kicking him out of my bedroom because it is so hard for me to sleep. Oh my God. When Caroline and I first started dating, she gets like restless legs and it's not like super bad, but there have been a a couple nights where they have gotten, they were worse than other nights. And I don't know what, it was before we moved in together. And so she had a really bad night and I didn't really notice her get up or maybe I I didn't just didn't like just thought she was going to the bathroom and that she would be back and she didn't come back and I got up and she was sleeping on the couch and I was like and then of course my emotional you know response is triggered because I'm like you abandoned me you abandoned me (laughs) you went to go sleep on the couch so that you could sleep and abandoned me in the bedroom Mm mm-hmm Honestly, anytime I That's why wake I feel up, for Kyle, because I'm like, oh, he's oh. being he's being ostracized. But you're like, no, no. No, I'm being it, honestly, it is so painful for me to sit there and like because it, it causes it truly causes like a major anxiety response mm-hmm. in me to hear him like repetitively snore or make sound. It's almost like it becomes like an obsessive thought of like, I can't sleep. I can't sleep. He's not letting me sleep. He's not letting me sleep. He's not letting me sleep. Mm. Um, And honestly, like sometimes he'll just he'll like leave the room. I'll fall asleep first and he'll leave the room because he's just truly not done like scrolling through TikTok on his phone. So he'll just fall asleep somewhere else and I'll sleep a full, full night without being woken up. Wake up as though there's like little birds that are going to come, you know, and make my bed. I'm just like, oh my gosh, how did I sleep so well? I look over and he's not there. Like the difference of how well I sleep with him versus without him is vast. So I love him so much. I always Mm -hmm. want him there when I'm falling asleep. Mm -hmm. But once I'm gone, if he's gone, 
Uh-huh. That's good with me. I'm so cuddly. I'm like, mm, come, come over here. And then she's like, over here. okay, I have to, I have to roll this way now. My hip hurts. And I'm like, okay, but I'm just going to like lay on top of you then. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll go too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So all that to say is if I sound different, it's because I did have a good night's sleep. Kyle only God. woke me up like three times last night. But again, right. at one point I did think he was gone because the bed is so big. That's amazing. And so I'm a different person. I, you could say I'm a king. I mean, your voice is light and bright. King Light and bright. I sound well-rested. Stuart, you sound well-rested. And as a king, I'm yeah. feeling like I'm going to exert some taxes in the form of stamps. Oh, <laughs> My God. How is that for a transition? That was amazing. How is that for a segway? It's like I've done this before. That was like a transition of a person who has had a full night fucking sleep. Full night fucking sleep. I couldn't do that um, Uh -uh. with sort of like four hours of sleep, which is sometimes what I get when I sleep with Mm. my absolute loving fiance, (laughs) (laughs) who I do love very much. Ah. But yes, today we are going to talk about the Stamp Act, which Arden and I both thought we already had done a whole episode about. (laughs) Turns out, no. (laughs) Turns out we haven't. We've just danced around the subject, which is great. So yeah, today is all, all things Stamp Act. Yes, I'm very excited. Very excited. Um, Before we jump in to this illustrious little act... Do you want to talk about today's sources? Sure. Today's sources are Colonial Williamsburg. Oh my God. I can't even. I cannot even. I want to become the mayor of Colonial Williamsburg. Oh, honey, I think you absolutely could and should. I absolutely have to. If things with Kyle really go south... You can find me at Colonial Williamsburg. <laughs> That's where she'll be. That's where That's she'll where be. That's where I'll be. The historian of the Department of State. Ooh, yum. Mm-hmm. And our beloved, our dear true, the one we would get a king-size bed for, history.com. 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 Well, well, well. I'm excited. Yes. I'm excited. This is, I definitely learned about this in school. Mm-hmm. This is one of those, what was it? The Stamp Act, the Tea Act. Tea Act. The Sugar Act? The Sugar Act, yeah. Tamp, yeah. Tamp, the trifecta, the holy yes. trinity. Don't mess with our stamps, don't no. mess with our tea, and don't you mess with our sugar. I mean, they basically messed with everything that brought anybody joy in the colonies. Right. right. That's what they did. Aside from alcohol and tobacco, which I guess sugar goes, I think you used sugar to make alcohol. So like, but the, anything, anything joy related, the British were like, you're going to give us some monies for it. Mm-hmm. Bold, bold move, British, bold move. Mm-hmm. All right, let's jump on in, shall we? So we're going to start off with talking about simply what was the Stamp Act. So here we absolutely go. The Stamp Act of 1765 was the first internal tax levied directly on American colonists by the British Parliament. So they hit them, they hit them at the, with the stamps first. Yeah. 
Give me your paper good monies. Mm. The act, which imposed a tax on all paper documents in the colonies, came at a time when the British Empire was deep in debt from the Seven Years' War and looking to its North American colonies as a revenue source. So you mean to tell me that we're mm-hmm. having to pay for your Seven Years' War? Yes. Over yes. my over my dead petticoat body. Yes. Also known as the French Indian War. Also known as French Indian War, Seven Years' War. Mm-hmm. Arguing that only their representative assemblies could tax them, the colonists insisted that the act was unconstitutional and they resorted to mob violence. Yeah. To intimidate stamp collectors into resigning. <laughs> they were like, if, if we kill the person taking the money, then they can't get our money. I'll kill you! I'll kill you! <laughs> Come near my stamps and I'll kill you! That's God. so funny. Yeah. Parliament passed the Stamp Act on March 27th, 1765, and repealed it in 1766, but issued a declaratory act at the same time to reaffirm its authority to pass any colonial legislation it saw fit. So they're basically like, okay, you won this battle, but we're going to win the war. Correct. They were like, mm. okay, calm down. We'll take away the Stamp Act, but we reserve the right to make your lives a living hell. Right. Whenever we see fit. Whenever we see fit. The issues of taxation and representation raised by the Stamp Act strained relations with the colonies to the point that, ten years later, the colonists rose in armed rebellion against the British, known as the Revolutionary War. (laughs) Don't come for our paper. Because you have to, I mean, this is all they have. All you do, everything you do in 1765 surrounds paper. This is a big, bold revenue stream for the British. Yeah. To take paper products and tax them. Right. Because it was even like playing parchment, playing cards, documents. Ooh. Like anything. Anything made of papier. So let's talk about the passing of the Stamp Act. Let's. So. The American Revolutionary War was precipitated, like we talked about at the top, in part by a series of laws passed between 1763 and 1775 that regulated trade and taxes. Mm-hmm. This legislation caused tensions between colonists and imperial officials who made it clear that the British Parliament would not address American complaints that the new laws were onerous. They're like, we don't hear you. We don't hear you. You you are British subjects. You are British subjects. We don't have and to. And we don't have to listen to you because we're a British Parliament. Mm-hmm. Britain's unwillingness to respond to American demands for change allowed colonists to argue that they were part of an increasingly corrupt autocratic empire in which their traditional liberties were being threatened. This position eventually served as the basis for the Colonial Declaration of Independence. Mm-hmm. They're getting mad. They're, they're getting mad, and they're about to write on trigger warning parchment. Parchment. That you can't tax. No. During this time, one of the first acts passed was... The Stamp Act. 
On March 22, 1765, Parliament passed the Stamp Act that was to come into effect the following November. This act would be a tax on paper products like playing cards. Taxing the fun. Taxing the fun. Taxing the fun. Like literally one of the the only funds. Yes. Like that's just, I mean, come on. Taxing the fun. What do they have to do? Like go out in the field and then play cards. That's literally all they have. And they're taxing the fun. You can either write a letter or play cards. Yeah. Those are the two activities you can do with your spare time. Or read a book, which is made with, you guessed it, paper. Paper. All those, all three of those, paper. Paper. Virginians were outraged because Parliament was continuing to attempt to legislate a tax without consulting them. They were used to taxing themselves through their own local representatives in Williamsburg's House of Burgesses, not by a Parliament reaching into their pockets from across the ocean. Yeah, they're like, um, hello, what is the purpose? What is the purpose of this whole governing body we've created over here with right. your approval? Right. If if you're just going to come in and be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, just, I, we're going to do something here. It's taxes. Stand we're doing taxes now. Taxes. Just everybody. collect the taxes. Just collect because the taxes. I said so. That's why. Uh-huh. That's why. Because the governing body that they had was collecting taxes. And then the governing body issuing this new tax, they weren't a part of. I get it. I am on the side. Shockingly of the colonists. Shocking. 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 The tax set a precedent in a legal system driven by precedents, and while it might seem to be a small tax for the gentry, for the less wealthy, it is a burden that would have a significant effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't have the money. They're like, we can barely afford the parchment. Every shilling counts. Right. And if we're having to pay more to get frickin' paper or a deck of cards, like, what... For the, for the for the British who live across the sea, right? Nah, nah. That's not benefiting nah. us in any way, shape, or form. That's not money no. that's going back into our infrastructure. Oh, our roads. No, Mm-mm. our education system. It's going to the Seven Years' War bank account. No, thank Please. you. No, Mm-mm. because they ha- they like took over all of these. Um, You know, like they expanded their empire, which is basically now what they have to pay for because they have these extra territories. So it's going not even to pay for like stuff in England. It's going to pay for the lands they've now conquered. The lands, the, the, what's it called? Oh, what the Commonwealth. Yes. In each of the 13 colonies, the same measures were happening. The tax was scheduled, the tax was scheduled to come into effect, but there were few who would collect it. United in their protests, colonists from Boston, Massachusetts to Savannah, Georgia, bullied their respective stamp collectors into not commencing their duties. Hell yeah. Hell. You suck. You suck. You suck, John. Hey, go don't away, talk John. Like that, John. Okay, John. Well, don't go in to mm. collect money. You know that you know that this is wrong. You know that this is wrong, John. And you're ugly. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> you know that mob mentality (laughs) oh yeah they're like this is wrong and also you just suck as a human and you're dumb looking (laughs) only in georgia was the stamp collector able to distribute the stamped papers but he was forced to flee shortly afterwards fly fly you've got to get out of here they're gonna come get me (laughs) yeah yeah don't be the snitch who collects the stamp money no, 
He's like, here's here's the p- paper that says you need to pay me money. Okay, bye. Okay, okay, bye. Okay, okay bye. bye. Don't shoot the messenger. Don't hurt me. Don't yeah, hurt me. right. Yeah, mm-hmm. right, John. I'm on to your scheme. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. let's talk a little bit more about why the colonists opposed the Stamp Act. Obviously, there's some obvious reasons, and then there's more nuanced reasons, if you can believe it. So coming in the midst of economic hardship in the colonies, the Stamp Act aroused vehement resistance. Although most colonists continued to accept Parliament's authority to regulate their trade, they insisted that only the representative assemblies could levy direct internal taxes such as the one imposed by the Stamp Act. They rejected the British government's argument that all British subjects enjoyed virtual representation in Parliament, even if they could not vote for members of Parliament. So they're making the very obvious (laughs) argument of like, people who we didn't vote for, who we can't even vote for, are making these decisions. Therefore, they don't represent us because we do not have somebody that we can put in there to represent us. Exactly. The colonists also took exception with the provision denying offenders trials by jury. A vocal minority hinted at dark designs behind the Stamp Act. So we got, we, this is a one-two punch. Not Mm -hmm. only do we have no taxation without representation, but we don't have a fair trial by our peers to determine guilt or innocence. No, it's wrong. It's wrong, I tell you. These radical voices warned that the tax was part of a gradual plot to deprive the colonists of their freedoms and to enslave them beneath a tyrannical regime. I mean, I get it. Kind of sounds like. It's not it's not crazy to think this. You know, I no. don't think that they're being I don't think that they're being what's it called? Um, paranoid. No. Playing off traditional fears of peacetime armies. They wondered aloud why Parliament saw fit to garrison troops in North America only after the threat from the French had been removed. These concerns provided an ideological bias that intensified colonial resistance. So we're starting to have this conspiracy theory that the British are sort of fattening the colonists up for, like, slaughter, that being. Right, right, right. Where they just don't have rights and they just work and there's no representation and it's everybody's worst fear. So they have that swirling around. And then on top of that, the British are moving troops into the United States or into North America after the war is already over that they were fighting. So there's no reason for troops to be here. No. In fact, they, this amount of no, troops. No, they, they should so be gone. So something's up. Something's up and the colonists know it. 
Yeah. They're like, we're not dumb. We can see this with our eyes. You're mm-hmm. moving pieces into place. You are you are preparing something. Yep. Interesting. So two months after the act was passed in Parliament, Patrick Henry from Virginia presented his provocative views on the Stamp Act at a meeting of Virginia's House of Burgesses in Williamsburg, Virginia. I love, I love that he had provocative views on the I know, Stamp Act. So, and I love that he like just gets to say them. Like I, there wasn't a place in any of this, any of this stuff that I read that was like, Patrick Henry was, you know, uh, a well-respected orator and aristocrat who mm. led valiant, valiantly in the war of... No, I think he was just like a dude. He was just a guy with feelings. He was just a dude, he was just a he dude was a with guy feelings. with time to write his thoughts down. <laughs> oh my God. He was like, hear me. I'm pissed. You, listen to me right now. Uh-huh. This I'm stamp pissed. act is a bunch of bullshit. Bunch of malarkey. Here, here. Mm-hmm. Henry argued that colonists hold the same rights as people of Great Britain, especially the right to only be taxed by their own local representatives. When shocked representatives suggested some of his ideas amounted to treason, he uttered words that became history, shouting, quote, if this be treason, make the most of it. Make the most of it. If this be treason, let's make a meal out of it, honey. YOLO. Ride or die, babe. You're not taking my money for my stamps. No. Sorry. Sorry. YOLO. Mm-hmm. Make the most of it. Yep. These Step Act resolves were presented to the House of Burgesses for approval. They were sent to England, along with other grievances of the Burgesses, for the British government to see and consider a repeal. Henry presented in total seven resolutions, laying out his opposition to the tax. Four of them were accepted. Although they were not written for public consumption, selections of Henry's fiery rhetoric began to be published widely in newspapers throughout the colonies. Ooh. So it got leaked. It's being spread and people it's are being getting spread. angry. Headline, this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Make the most of your treasonous time. Make the, if this be treason. <laughs> I say if this be treason you say make the most of it if this be treason make, make the, most the most of it. of it if this be treason make the most of it exactly <laughs> hell yeah go off hell Patrick yeah. Henry uh huh Patrick Henry's words were joined by propaganda satire slogans and songs hmm. the tax with obscure legislative roots became a major barrier to good relations between Britain and its colonies in North America I love the idea of there being a song. Yep. Where's the song? I want the song. We're not gonna take it. Mm-hmm. No! We ain't We're gonna, not gonna take, take it. it. We're not gonna take it anymore. Wow. Continuing on, newspapers throughout the colonies reprinted the resolutions, spreading their radical message to the broad audience. The resolutions provided the tenor for the proclamations of the Stamp Act Congress, an extra-legal convention composed of delegates from nine colonies that met in October of 1765. We're so freaking organized. Anytime uh-huh. they want to get stuff done, they're, they're like, you know what? First of all, we're going to have a convention, but there's going to be delegates. Uh-huh. And by yep. the end of it, we're going to have some shit written down on parchment that's going to change uh-huh. the game. They had a process. They had, they had an Excel process. sheets bro- process that, like, you took them off. Delegates, check. Convention check. called, check. check. Parchment, check. Quills, check. 
Check. This Benjamin isn't our Franklin. first rodeo. Check. <laughs> the Stamp Act Congress wrote petitions to the king affirming both their loyalty and the conviction that only the colonial assemblies had the constitutional authority to tax the colonists. So very smart. They're like, look, we are loyal to you, obviously. That's not what this obviously. is about. We're just love saying. You. Like, love you. First of all, I love you. Yeah. But you have to understand where I'm coming from. Like, we have this thing in place, mm-hmm. and you are you are ignoring it. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this, this relationship only works if we both respect each other, and I don't right. feel like you're respecting us right now. No. It is a bit like you and Kyle and your sleeping arrangements. Love exactly you. Right. Cannot sleep next to you. Cannot do it. We need a solution. Love yep. you. Love you. Love you. Can't and I, deal. I, of course, am King George III here in this situation. Of course. <laughs> like Kyle is the American colonist. <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. It wouldn't go any other way. <laughs> While the Congress and the colonial assemblies passed resolutions and issued petitions against the Stamp Act, the colonists took matters into their own hands. So we have like the hoity-toity, our, our boys in wigs, assembling, being delegates, and then there's sort of the boots on the ground who are like, mm, you can go delegate and have your conventions, but mm-hmm. we've got some other things that we're going to try. The most famous popular resistance took place in Boston, where opponents of the Stamp Act, calling themselves the Sons of Liberty, our boys, mm-hmm. enlisted the rabble of Boston in opposition to the new law. So they're like going around, Sam Adams being like, Bring out, like, anybody who has, like, a piece of shit brother, have them call me. Because we're going to make some trouble. <laughs> you want to you send a message? Go to Boston and get Boston, Boston. brother. Oh, God, yeah. The mob paraded through the streets with an effigy of Andrew Oliver, Boston stamp distributor, which they hanged from the Liberty Tree and beheaded before ransacking Oliver's home. Oliver agreed to resign his commission as stamp distributor. I would too. I would be like, whip you. There's just no job that's worth it. You know, you've got a mob of Bostonians taking your statue around the city, hanging it, and then beheading it. Like, is it a stone statue? How do you behead this thing? I thought it was like maybe some pillows, some hay. Oh, you know what I mean? It's like it's soft. I think it's soft. it's soft. Yeah. Regardless, if I'm Andrew Oliver, I'm like, you know what? My passion is not in the stamp business. It's not in no. the tax collecting business. It's, this is a worth it. No. This is a worth it to me. No. Love this you. Good, this is a good thought, Andrew. This is a good yes. thought. Yes. Similar events transpired in other colonial towns as crowds mobbed the stamp distributors and threatened their physical well-being and their property. Look, I am never about threatening people's lives. I don't think it's working. I, but I can see why they chose this route in 1765. <laughs> sure. In, in, sure. If in you 1760. so ask for a single pence, I'll kill you. I'll kill you. I'll kill you. Uh huh, and not just this pillow version of you. I will literally kill you. Yeah, the actual flesh and bone you. Yep. By the beginning of 1766, most of the stamp distributors had resigned their commissions. Many sure. of them under duress. 
Yes. Mobs in seaport towns turned away ships carrying the stamp papers from England without allowing them to discharge their cargo. <laughs> this ship ain't docking here. No. You don't Turn have around. to go home, but you can't stay here. Back where you came from, buddy. I love that. I don't I, make the I rules. Feel, I feel bad for those, sh- like, sh- ship captains who, like, made the long trek, and then they're like, fuck, please oh, just, fuck please Jesus just, Christ. I need to get off this boat. Please just, can we just, I need time away from the boat. This has to be so common, though. Like, I feel, I feel as though, and I'm making up this this statistic, which is that it has to be that 40% of ships actually deliver their their cargo (laughs) in the 18th century. (laughs) For one reason or whether it's the weather, they lose it, there's pirates, there's, I'm just, if you're a ship captain, you have to know that there is a 60% chance that we're not getting from point A to point B. That's We're not true. successfully doing this thing. No. And I love that. I love that. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here, is what no. the colonists said to those ships. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bye-bye. Determined colonial resistance made it impossible for the British government to bring the Stamp Act into effect. So, in 1766... As we said at the top, Parliament repealed it, mm-hmm. placating, but also still plotting. This wasn't <laughs> the end for Parliament. It was just oh the beginning. God. Oh my God, that's awesome. I want like Hugh Grant to narrate that season, that season finale. Oh. So, what is the legacy of the Stamp Act? Mm. The end of the Stamp Act did not end Parliament's conviction that it had the authority to impose taxes on the colonists. The British government coupled the repeal of the Stamp Act with the Declaratory Act, as Lizzie said, a reaffirmation of its power to pass any laws over the colonists that it saw fit. However, the colonists held firm to their view that Parliament could not tax them. We're at a stalemate. Sounds like we, we have a problem. We are at a stalemate. stalemate. You cannot tax us. We've built this whole thing. We have we have the tax system in place. Mm-hmm. We can't have two taxings. No. Illegitimate taxings. Mm. The issues raised by the Stamp Act festered for 10 years before giving rise to the Revolutionary War and grandly and ultimately American independence. You know what's interesting about this is I, in my head, it's like the stamp, the stamp act, the Townshed Act. That that's what it's called, the Townshed Act. Yes, Townshed Act. The whatever other the third act. Mm-hmm. They feel like they were literally like th- three months apart. It was one, and then two, and then three, and then we declare mm-hmm. war. Like that. It that all it, hap- it feels like it all happens within a calendar year. What I find so interesting about learning about the Stamp Act now as an adult is having to wrap my head around that there was a 10-year break between Mm -hmm. the Stamp Act and the actual Revolutionary War. Because it feels in my head that in 1775, we have these acts coming out of the woodwork. Mm -hmm. But this is actually tensions boiling over for a literal decade. Decade. A decade. Yep. So we're not petty. This no, no, festered we for a long time. We thought about it. 
we thought about this we thought Mm -hmm. about this breakup we gave the king a chance to redeem himself and Mm -hmm. he did not take it we're like look you're you are our king that is that's not what we're arguing no we just don't want you are not our parliament parliament no we have we are not in there no wow yeah. Wow, the Stamp Act. Yeah. Wow. Look, what can I say? One thing led to another, and I'm glad. I'm glad. So that concludes our episode of the Stamp Act. And as always, if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. As always, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. We love you so, so much, and we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye.